Today we are starting up our, well, we're continuing our sermon series from last week about prayer. It's called Presence, Face-to-Face Praying, Prayer. I've been saying that word so much in the last couple of months that uh, I've started to say it wrong. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Um, So last week we started. We started to preach on what prayer really is and how it's like so much bigger and more important and crucial and fundamental. It's so much more mystical and big and grand, but also ordinary and plain and at times mundane. And sometimes we feel really removed and sometimes it's this beautiful, awesome experience. Like prayer can be all of that. Prayer can consume our every decision, our every moment. Like uh, we can learn and get better at prayer, not because it's like this activity, but because it's how we live our lives, how we feel connected to the Lord, how we know his voice. And um, so today I wanted to start off with just two quick stories, both of which I share from time to time here at City Life. One I think I even shared a couple of weeks ago, uh, but I, like, I've been drawn to another part of it today. Um, a couple of years ago, I worked at Nyack College, now called Alliance University, And uh, I was called in the middle of the night one night, which I woke up to my phone, which is a miracle. That in itself is a miracle right there, because when I'm out, I'm pretty out. Anne is shaking her head. Uh, When, like, my eyes close, it takes me about 10 seconds to fall asleep usually, and then I'm out. And almost nothing in this world can wake me up. But that one night, my phone woke me up. And I got a call. It was from one of my friends who said uh, we needed to go to one of the dorms. Uh, I was one of the college campus pastors at the time, and um, there was a a student going through something. Uh, There was a student going through this demonic episode, and we get there, and we show up, and she is, uh, it wasn't like movie stuff, um, but she was like just so not in control of herself, screaming and cursing at herself, and crying, and like writhing. It's the first time that I like really saw what the word writhing really looks like. She was writhing on the floor, and screaming, and cursing at herself, and saying all, all, like, all of these horrible things, everything coming out of the amount of shame she felt in that moment. Um, and I get there, and me and my friend, like always happens if you have a spiritual encounter, we look at each other, and we're like, we don't know what in the world to do. Uh, And she had some friends there. And her friends knew the Lord. She knew the Lord, too. And uh, they were just speaking, praying over her out loud and singing over her. She, like, loved to sing. So they were trying to get her to sing, and she couldn't sing. And they were trying to help her friend, and it just wasn't working. Like, everything that they were doing wasn't working. And she was screaming louder and getting more in distress. And uh, she was not in a good place. Lost to shame and guilt in that moment. Um, not even in control of her own body. And uh, her friends were praying, and nothing. They were singing, and nothing. And uh, this thought came into my head, and it was, uh, just hold her. And because I was in my late 20s, I was not in the habit of holding college-age girls, and so I um, felt weird about that, but I, I, like, The Lord was telling me very clearly, like, Pedro, just hold her like a father holds a daughter. And so I scooped her into my arms. I got on the ground, and I just held her. 
And every once in a while, I, I spoke some truths over her. Every once in a while, some words came out of my mouth. I told her truths that are timeless and always, because scripture says, oh, like, God loves you. You're valuable. You're, you're awesome. <laughs> yeah, you're awesome. I didn't say you're awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I said, you're safe. God loves you. You're chosen. I just, every once in a while, like, very, like I, I think I, I held her for tw- about 20 minutes. And I spoke a handful of times. The like, highlight of that moment was not the words that were coming out of my mouth, but because I was just holding her. And every once in a while telling her truths that I felt God tell me in the moment. And it worked. It worked, and I'm convinced for this one reason. Because in that moment, I was doing what Jesus was doing for her in that moment. Just trying to make her feel safe. Try to make her uh, feel seen by the one who loves her. And I believe it, she came to, she stopped having her episode. We talked to her, we prayed with her. She went to sleep because she was tired. And uh, in that moment, I, it was so effective, not because of me, not because of her friends or my buddy who was also there with me praying, doing great things, uh, but because we were just doing what Jesus was doing for her in that moment. I had another experience in that year. There was a group of us seminary students who just were like, we were just wanted to experience more of God's move in prayer ministry. And so we were weird and we would get together and we would pray for one another. We would be like, okay, who wants to go today? And every time we met, somebody would get prayed for in the ministry model that we were learning. And it was just like experience after experience of people's like, their hurts and their woundings coming out and seeing God meet us in there. I remember this one time we were praying for this one student, a fellow student of ours, and uh, we were praying, and it, it was really good. It was re- we were all really flowing, and then um, I got this, I, this little phrase to say to her, and it was just like so impactful. Uh, it, w- it was like uh, I was praying God's whole, uh, kingdom order into her life, into that pain. And it like really hit and it really connected. But again, it was like nothing about me or those exact words that I had to say, but they were so significant because it was what Jesus was saying over her in that moment. And that's where we want to, I want to start our sermon today. I want to read really quick Hebrews 7.25. Hebrews 7.25 says, uh, we have it up on the screen, it says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. This is like a core truth that I want us to leave here remembering in our hearts today is that prayer is God-initiated. That at every moment, Jesus is up in heaven in front of the Father praying for you, for me, for us, for the world for believers and for non-believers. At every moment, Jesus is praying for you. Jesus is praying for you right now. He's up in heaven in front of the Father, and he's praying for you because he loves you. And like, yeah, I I want that to be communal as well. I want that to be for the whole world, but I I don't think we let our hearts sit for long enough to hear Jesus right now is praying for you. Let everyone else in this world fade away from your mind right now. Jesus is praying for you. For you, and for you, and for you, and for you. And if Jesus is always praying for us, 
then the act of prayer at its most fundamental level is giving back to God what he's giving to you. Prayer, the whole idea for today is that prayer is listening. The best prayer, the most Holy Spirit-filled prayer, the most effective prayer, the most powerful prayer, the most mercy, grace-filled prayer that you will ever pray for yourself or for anyone else is when you are praying what Jesus is praying for you and for them in that moment. And so prayer fundamentally is God-initiated and on our end, listening to what he's saying. So last week, we started our working definition of prayer. And we said this. This is where we left off last week. We said that prayer is an action that moves you towards God's presence, permission, and ultimately an experience of eternal life. And then the bit that we added last week was that it needs to be done with all of your heart and being. Hard to see. I'm sorry. We'll fix that for next week. But prayer is done with all of your being. That's where we left off yesterday. The ingredient that we bring in our hearts, in our souls, in our spirits is honesty. But today, what we're adding, we're, I'm going to give you the definition that we're leaving today with off, right off the bat, is, and it's this, is that prayer is an act of listening to God that moves you towards God's presence, permission, and ultimately an experience of eternal life. It needs to be done, and it needs to be done with all your heart. The whole big idea for us today is that prayer is listening. Prayer is not the equation of, and I, I have this here, prayer is not just the equation of your words plus your action, you like saying it out loud, equaling God's answers. That's not the equation of prayer. The equation of prayer, rather, is you listening, his presence, and being heard by the one who sees everything, who hears everything, and is able to do far more than we could ever ask. And so prayer is listening. And so to do that, I'll actually, I, I want to read this one quote. It's from an author. His name is R.A. Torrey. And he writes this. He says, I know of nothing that has so impressed me with a sense of the importance of praying at all seasons, being much and constantly in prayer, as the thought that prayer is the principal occupation at present of my risen Lord. I want to have fellowship with him, and to that end I have asked the Father whatever else he may make me, to make me at all events an intercessor, to make me a man who knows how to pray and who spends much time in prayer. At every moment Jesus is praying for you, and so the best prayer that you could ever have is here learning how to listen to his move so that we can give those words back to him. And so uh, I want to pray, and then we're going to read from Deuteronomy. Uh, so join me in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for everyone here. Lord, uh, I invite you here into this space to speak to us for us to hear from you, for us to be moved by you, for us to hear whatever it is that you're saying to us in this moment. Lord, I, I give you permission to speak through me, to use me, to change this whole plan, to move, 
we just want to hear what you have for us. And so, Lord, um, I thank you. Thank you that you pray for us. Thank you that you're praying for us and that we don't live a moment without your prayers going out for us, for you interceding for us, for you being our advocate. And so, Lord, we love you. We thank you. Be in this place. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, if you could stand with me for the reading of God's word really quick. It's only a couple of words today. We'll read more a little later, but first we're going to start off reading from Deuteronomy chapter, Deuteronomy, the most exciting book in all of scripture. If you've read it, you know that that's not usually true. Uh, but it's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4. And it says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Can we see it in the Hebrew? Is the Hebrew there? This is how it looks. Well, actually, it's not even how it looks. Those little squibbles underneath are added later on for us to be able to read them. But it says this. It says, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Can you say that with me? Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. All right, you may take a seat. So what we just learned, what you just said out of your mouth, is the first couple of words of the most famous Jewish prayer. To this day, by devout Jews, it's prayed twice a day, every day without fault. It's pray, you pray it when you wake up in the morning, and you pray when you go to sleep at night. This is called the Shema. And it's called the Shema for the very reason that the first word in it is Shema, and it's a word that we actually, from time to time, talk about here in City Life. It means, most basically, to listen, to hear. And the Shema is this like beautiful, beautiful prayer that is in Deuteronomy. Let me read a little bit more of it, but you can stay seated. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands. They shall be frontlets between your eyes. You should write them on the doorstops of your house and of your gates. And it continues. It keeps on going. It's just like awesome mixture of God's commandments, God reminding us, God speaking to us, encouraging us, teach this to your children, like do this at all points, learn, pray this prayer, but more than just praying this prayer, live this type of life, follow my statutes, uh, Deuteronomy, and the first five books of the Bible are these books of laws, it's like 613 laws or something like that, real correct me, but it's around there, it's all of these laws, and the Shema reminds us, listen, slow down, notice. Do everything that I tell you, the Lord speaking. This Adonai, Eloheinu. Uh, okay, really fun fact, nugget. Uh, well, we really don't have time for this, but fun fact, um, the, God's most personal name in Scripture is, uh, can you go back to the Hebrew? Is this, this one. And it is so special to, to the Jewish world. It is so sacred. It is so important that it cannot even be said it's a yud, hey, vav, hey. 
And it's the, this combination of letters that like shouldn't even be uttered. Jewish people to this day, they don't say the name. Well, to us, we say Yahweh. But to them, you can't even pronounce it. And it's like this unpronounceable words, even in the mixtures of these letters. We put in vowels that kind of make sense for us to say something. But the word that is like the, the reason, one of the reasons, because God is awesome, that it is constructed this way is that it cannot be said. And what it sounds like when you just read the consonants is a breath. Right? His most personal, intimate name is just this breath. Like with every breath that we have in our beings, we give back to him because he gave to us. Like his most precious, beautiful name. You shouldn't, like we can't even say, but we say it every time when we breathe. Like he made us and he gave us this name because every breath that you give, he gave you. And it should be a reminder to you that like everything you have is his. And he's just so incredible and so good. Every, t- every time you breathe, it could be an act of prayer if you're conscious of that. Okay, we, we need to move on. Um, it's just like so awesome. Well, okay, another one. Uh, the last word here means one, like the Lord our God is one, right? But Ro actually taught me this morning that it also means unity, right? So even in the Shema, we can spend the rest of time on just the Shema and like try to decipher every layer of what God was doing to us. Like God is so perfect and beautiful in everything that he do, does, but let's get back to our sermon today. Uh, what we are called to do first is to listen, to be people who hear God's voice, feel his move, are sensitive when we know that he is at, like on the move or when he is doing something, or also with what Israel was guilty of when they don't ever realize that he's been gone for a long time. Right, we are people who are supposed to be listeners of God's word, to hear what he's doing and what he's saying. We're supposed to slow down and notice, be people of presence. Right, Prayer is panim, seeing face to face, being together, being in the same place. Like That's what prayer really is, is our ability to listen to him. Right? And over, because we are human and because we have the Bible and we hear, we read of all these stories when Israel like went away from the Lord and stopped listening to him. Listening to him is like fundamentally what God's people are supposed to be doing in every season. And we stray and we stop listening to him. We either make ourselves so busy or we're hurt and we just don't want to listen to him anymore. And then like constantly in Israel's history, we're told of when they stray and they stop listening to him. Psalm 115, verses 4 to 8, let me read that really quick. It says, when talking about idol worshiping in Israel's history, uh, the psalmist writes this. It says, their idols are gold and silver, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak, eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear, noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. They have feet, but do not walk. They do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them idols, uh, so do trust in them. It's like this one thing, this motif that repeats over and over again in God's story of his people, his forgetful people who forget that we're supposed to be listening to him. Here in verse 6 it says, they have ears, but they do not hear. Repeated so many times in the first five books in the later portions when Israel's really struggling with idols. We have ozen, that's what the Hebrew word is, ozen, but we do not shema, is what it says right there. We have, these are working, these are fine, but we're not listening to him. And we forget to, when we make ourselves busy, 
And fundamentally, if you belong to him, you are a hearer of him. And so in the Old Testament, we have all of these examples of when Israel, when his people strayed, and they, like, their primary way of straying is that we stop listening to him. Like we preached a couple weeks ago with Abram and, and Sarai. God told us we would have a kid. Just go sleep with our servant, right? We'll find a way. God has told us to do this, so we will find our own way there. We'll stop listening to him, and we'll make it ourselves, and we stop listening, and then all of life gets twisted and crumbled because we're not doing the one thing that we're supposed to be doing. And then Jesus comes along, and because he knows this, and because he's also human and he knows the temptation, he tells us the story. In a, it's a parable that is really famous, but I think is never thought of in this context, and it's the parable of the sower. And so let me read this really quick. Uh, this is Jesus preaching a parable at this portion in his ministry when he is making the truth a little hard to find. He's preaching in parables because like, he needs to find the people who will really go after him, who will really like, look for truth, who will really look to find him, counterintuitive to how we would always do ministry. Right? But he makes the truth a little hidden so that people will dig for it. And he tells this story, and he says in Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 and 9, he says, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, when they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun, when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus, even himself. We all have ozens. We all have ears. But who is the one who's really going to be here and hear what he's saying? And so he picks up this theme, like, oh, that humans, we all have, well, most of us have ears. Most of us, they work. Right? But we are rarely ever really listening to what God is saying. And so he tells us this, this parable. And a few verses later on in this chapter, he explains the parable to his disciples. And he says this, like so important, so fundamental to understanding the wider scope of what this parable is doing. What any story in Jesus' hand really does is a multiple of, of things. He says this in, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. He says, when explaining the reason why he told this parable, he says this. He says, hear the parable of the sower. Verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, this happens. When anyone hears God's voice, when anyone hears the gospel presented, when anyone reads scripture, we all had this uh, encounter with the Holy Spirit, with the kingdom of God, with the truth of this universe, right? And then from that hearing, a couple of things can happen. A couple of things happen from the hearing of the kingdom of God that we all live through, whether you're a believer or not. And he tells, he explains the parable further. Okay, outcome number one is that these seeds are sown along the path but then Satan comes and snatches it, and it never grows. All right, that's the first outcome. We hear the kingdom. We hear God's voice. And we don't do much with it at all if we even like, really connected with it. 
And Satan comes, and before anything good comes out, he plucks it away. That's one outcome of hearing God's word, of hearing God speak to us, of hearing from scripture, of hearing from a brother or a sister who comes to us with truth. You can hear it and do nothing with it, and Satan will come and take it away. That's option number one. Out, oh, outcome number one. Outcome number two is that some seeds are sown on rocky ground, right? They find some soil. There is some soil there for the seeds to go, but it's shallow. It doesn't go deep. It's not allowed to permeate and grow in healthy environments. And then the outcome of that is that our hearts receive it with joy. Jesus says, like, you hear, even on the rocky soil, you comes. And it's great because the kingdom news is always great because it's what our souls are waiting for for all of eternity. And we hear it and we receive it with joy, but because it doesn't have root, the troubles of this world come and take it all away. And nothing is produced from hearing about the kingdom of God. It stays for a little while. The troubles come and immediately whatever was growing is taken away. That's outcome number two from when we shema, when we hear truth about the kingdom, when we hear God's voice, when we spend time trying to listen to him, and when we are like, okay, I'm going to pray, I'm going to start praying, I'm going to start praying, and then we try two times, and we're like, okay, this is done. I'm not getting anything from this. When it doesn't go deep, when it doesn't grow root, it can, even if it's received with joy, go away rather quickly. Outcome number three is that it's sown. Seeds are sown, and they're thrown out there, but they're thrown, they're thrown with thorns. They're thrown in places that it can grow. It can find good soil, but when it's growing up, these thorns come and they choke them. And what Jesus says is the outcome of this is that the cares and the troubles of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, come and choke the life out of what the kingdom is doing in us. When we hear, God, at times in our lives, when we hear, okay, like, I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend this time. I, every day this week, I'm going to go and I'm going to pray. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to have this presence, this panim with the Lord. And I'm going to give it a shot, right? And then it grows. And we're like, wow, this is awesome. This is beautiful. I love this. And then the world's troubles come. The deceitfulness of riches come. Everything that gets in the way and distracts us from letting the kingdom continue to grow from our hearing of the Lord's voice, it gets choked away. And it dies, and it withers, and there's no fruit. But then the last outcome that Jesus talks about is this outcome where the seed is thrown on good soil, and it, gets, it permeates the soul, and it gets underneath, and it grows good roots, and we listen to the Lord, and we give him time and attention and presence, and we allow him to continue to speak to us about the kingdom of God and what it does, and it grows in our souls and our spirits to the point where we are given new hearts, when we are new beings, when we are part of his new humanity, all of the New Testament promises that Jesus fulfills and brings in the age of the church, like it continues to grow when we listen and shema and give God time and attention. And when we say, okay, my prayer is going to be, Lord, I want as close as I can as a human to sit here and try and look at your face, hear what you're saying about me, Hear what you might be saying about somebody else. Hear kingdom gospel truths in my life because I know like, the condition of my heart is that I'm still waiting on something. I am broken. I am incomplete. I am wounded. 
and I can't get past this, and I can't heal myself? And the answer to that is prayer. Prayer, not just in the words that you give him, but in your shamaying of the Lord, your listening to what he's saying. Because at every moment, Jesus is praying over you. And there will always be obstacles, right? And let me not just say up here and say it's the easiest thing in the world. Every season from today on, if you give him 10 minutes a day, it's going to be great. And you're going to hear him every time you go, like, no, it's like very clearly not that easy. But always remember, remind yourselves, what kind of soil am I being right now? Am I letting the word of the Lord that reaches my ear and my heart grow and do something? Or do the troubles of this world, the busyness of my schedule, my job, my kids, my family, my friends, my recreation, like my leisure or my comfort or insert anything here. Stop the word that I hear in my heart, in my ear, from reaching my heart. And so, prayer to end where we started, prayer is an act of listening. Prayer is an act of listening that moves you from where you are currently to God, to the Father, into the Holy Spirit's arms, and into what Jesus is praying for you at this very moment, in every moment of your life. And so there are many, many, many ways for you to be able to listen to the Lord. Like I also, if today is about listening to the Lord, I have this one slide here. This is just one list from one author who gives us a bunch of ideas of what to do. Is it up there? There we go. Like it's small, like you can come up here and take a picture of it later. You can like do so many different activities that will promote listening to the Lord. Like any one of these things, and probably an infinite other amount of things that are good and just and like beautiful and nice and like helps you to hear the Lord's voice. Anna's laughing right now. I don't know why. Uh, but it's like, Listen to the Lord. That is the best thing that you will ever do. That is how you will have effective and good prayers. Uh, Jesus also in the New Testament says, my sheep know my voice. And so your primary job as a believer of Jesus is to listen to him and hear what he says over you in every season of your life. And so the worship team can come up here. And let me just encourage us one more time that the best prayer you will ever pray in your whole life is a prayer that is done when you're listening to what he's saying to you. And so let's worship him and uh, attempt to listen to him together. Yeah, please rise with me as we 